0: Hey everybody, I'm Scott, and welcome to this second episode of From the Ground Up, a podcast about autism, faith, and family, and I'm joined by my co-host, Megan Halpert. Megan, how are you this week?
1: I'm good, Scott. How have you been?
0: I've been doing great. You know, we probably ought to give another introduction for those people who may have missed the last show. Let's introduce you so that people know a little bit more about who you are and what it is that, that you do for children and families with autism.
1: Sure. So, Scott I realized last week when we were talking about me all we were doing is using those fancy uh, letters behind my name and a lot of people may not know what that means. So, I want sure. to kind of dive in a little bit more about what that is and kind of what my my history is and how I've kind of impacted the autism community. So, I am a BCBA, also known as a Board Certified Behavior Analyst. And what I do is I work with children, primarily with autism, but I really work in the realm of uh, behavioral support, behavioral health, and helping kind of to build skill sets and acquisition of, of new skills for kids with autism, but also work on some challenging behaviors that sometimes arise with that diagnosis. ABA is, is what I do. So if that's a term that people have heard or, or been exposed to, that's my expertise. That's my, my genre, what I do. And so that's obviously one of the big components, treatments for kids with autism that has been proven and very, very effective. Uh, in addition to that, I've also worked in the school setting as a as a consultant for kids with autism and special needs, as well as spent some time teaching at the collegiate level at Baylor, their their teacher education program. So I've kind of had my foot in a little bit of several different areas and had the opportunity to really use those skills and touch families with kids with autism. So I'm hoping we can kind of, all the things I've learned, we can share here and kind of help give family support and, and their Their confidence level, but also hope as they're kind of walking through their journey. So
0: Megan, as you know, I'm, I'm the color commentator in this show. I'm your John Madden. Okay. So I'm basically the dad of a 21 year old autistic son. So I've walked the path of what it is to raise a child with autism and probably more important than that. I know what it, what the impact of a family and a positive impact it can have on a family. And I like to describe myself most importantly as a person who struggles with God, so for those that's that's the faith part of this podcast for those that find that they're in a, a challenging situation, I've walked that path. I know what it's like to struggle with God, and i I'd like to at least be able to explain and share what that looks like to people on a on a regular basis so let's to get started tonight I, I want to jump right in because we may be on a, a kind of a, a short schedule. let's say that you have just gotten a diagnosis that your child has autism first off it's It's hard to accept and it's going to bring about a lot of emotion, but most importantly, it's going to bring about a lot of questions. What do I do now? Just because you have a diagnosis, you have no guidelines or no, there's, there's not a roadmap out there in the world to, to what's next. So one of the things we wanted to cover tonight, Megan, is let's say that you're going to sit down with a family that's just gotten that diagnosis. What are the things that you recommend that they do? What, what are their first action steps?
1: Absolutely. So the first and foremost thing I want to tell families to do is look into your state where you're where you're living and see if there are any wait lists for waivers. That's something that's very very important. And you know sometimes we get kiddos that have diagnoses at a very young age and parents are thinking I'm not going to need that. It's better to have it and not need it in the future than to need it and not have access to it. A lot of those lists are 15, 17, 20 years long. So the sooner can- you can.
0: Can I right. mention, I've got a 21-year-old son that we signed up on the waiver list when he was six. We're still a couple of years off. I don't yeah. want to disappoint anybody, but there will be a day when those services are needed. So best thing you can do is get started on that journey. Just just don't expect anything, but at least get signed up because you never know when the day is going to arrive that you need them.
1: And that day arrives and you don't need them? That's great. You just tell yeah. them, hey. I appreciate it. We're not in need of these services at this time. You can move on to the next person on that list. So yes. that's something that is the first and foremost I would recommend for families. The second thing I would say is to kind of evaluate your resources. And when we're talking about resources, we're not talking just about financial. We're talking about your time. We're talking about support systems of family members that can help. We're talking about, you know, what, what options do we have if we want to take a school route? Do we want to look at more of a, a therapeutic route or my child's in intensive therapy full time? So evaluating what those resources look like and how will I be able to access those resources and what, what does it, what does it look like? Because you know Scott, I'm sure you can kind of speak to from a financial standpoint. We're not looking at just a couple of year treatment here. This is something mm-hmm. that's going to be lifelong, and so you don't want to kind of run run a sprint when you really need to plan for for a long jog, right? And so getting yeah, those we, things
0: we, kind we, of we we sprinted time. we sprinted for a couple of years, and I, I think your advice is really well well taken that. You sometimes have to slow down a little bit because the money can run out very, very quickly, and you've got to make it last. So, and you have to set priorities. What are the most important things you can spend your dollars on, and not just everything that's out there, right?
1: And that's We're- actually the the next thing I was going to say, Scott, is just kind of determine what your goal your goals are for your child. You know, look at your areas where your child you feel like needs the most su- most support, and now we're going to kind of target those areas versus the others that may not be as as a big need for them. Mm -hmm. And then also kind of once you figure out what those goals are, then it can help you kind of navigate what providers are in your area, what types of services you want. And then getting that list of providers together, then you can evaluate each of those providers, you know, one by one. And I actually have created, I've worked in this field for so long. I've had so many families say, I wish somebody would have given me a roadmap. And I've actually kind of created that for families. I actually have a checklist that kind of talks about these things we just discussed and gives a little bit more detail. How how do
0: I get the checklist, Megan? Where where does that come (laughs) from? (laughs) There's there's people out there going, how do I get my checklist? (laughs) Yes,
1: you can go actually go to my website, hopperconsulting.com and you can log on to there. Just send me your email address and I will be happy to share that, that checklist with you. I know that checklist can kind of be overwhelming too, so I'm happy to help support and give some families some guidance on navigating that checklist and kind of prioritizing those things because, okay, now I have my resources, but how do I figure out which ones I want to, want to pursue? And so, um, I really encourage families to go to my website, like I said, hopperconsulting.com and download, um, that checklist. I hope it's very, very valuable and helpful to start this journey. So. Well,
0: and Megan, let's talk for a minute about if, if you've just found out that you have this diagnosis and you're out there on Google, you're looking at all the information there. The thing that you may not be aware of is there's a lot of bad information in the marketplace right now, and that's been the case for years. There's just a lot of people promising a lot of stuff and, and a lot of it's not documented, a lot of it's very questionable about uh, behind the science. Can you address maybe what are the things that you, you would recommend people look for to make sure, because there's just an overwhelming amount of information how do you How do you get through the clutter that you really don't want to go chasing after?
1: So there actually was um, a couple studies done several years ago called National Standards Project, And what that did is it went through and searched thousands and thousands of research um, articles of what types of interventions have been done with children on the spectrum, and it ranked those based on their efficiency of of the outcomes of those studies. So mm-hmm. you know it's had ranked them as you know emergent, established. So those established treatments on that national standards project are the ones that have the most effective outcomes for kids with autism. And that's actually another thing. Again, you can go to my website and we can, you can get that link to go to read that national standards project. Now, it's a lot of really boring information that I would be happy to help families decipher and learn a little bit more about. But that would definitely be one of the first places I would start is, okay, what's evidence based? What's research based in, um, in the treatments with my kiddos? So
0: Great. Well, and um, one of the things I would also suggest that parents prepare for is you're probably going to go down a few paths that while they may be scientific and they may be helpful to some children, they may not be helpful for yours. And you almost have to prepare yourself to what I refer to the phrase I always like to refer to is cast a wide net, meaning there may be, you know, there may be several different therapies that you need to at least explore and give a little bit of chance to, but then you also have to know when the time is where you have to cut it off and say, that's not working. I'm going to go do something else because, you know, every kid's slightly different and things that work for this child are just maybe not going to work for that child. So you can't just go down a single track. You have to, you have to be prepared to go down multiple tracks and you have to be prepared to make some decisions that may not work out, you know, and, and you got to be okay with that. So. And and that's pretty challenging as a parent. You just want to have this, just tell me the one thing I need to do and let me go do it. So and, and the other thing I wanted to mention too, is we, when we first started, we were looking at a medical track as well, getting Colby some, some treatments for some fungal issues that he had. And, and there, you know, there's some medical things that, that we were working on. And I love the fact that we sat down with this doctor and the first thing he said, he said, Scott, If I can tell you anything else, and and he had a a child with autism, he said, if I can tell you anything else, if you sit down in front of somebody that tells you that they have the absolute solution that you're looking for, you need to get up and walk out of that office right then and there because there's not anybody in this industry that can tell you with 100% certainty that they have what it is your child needs. So I I also need to tell parents that is, if you've got somebody that says, mine is the way and I've got the the answer, the solution, it's going to work every time, Chances are they're out for the money, and you need to be prepared to walk away in a situation like that. How about what else? What else should a parent be looking for in those early stages? What What are some things that they can do to help?
1: Absolutely. So I think one thing is we really have to focus on what are the criteria that my child had to meet in order to get this diagnosis, and this kind of ties into the snake oils that you kind of were just mentioning, Scott. You know, when we're looking at treatments and interventions, we want to be able to target those key. Components of autism. A lot of people will um, go different paths of say, you know, we have we have gut issues and we have these, which are. I'm not saying those children with autism do not have those challenges. That's not what I'm saying. But those types of treatments aren't going to hit address those core deficits. You know, the stereotypical repetitive behavior, the communication, those sort of things. We want to hit those hardcore first and see, and then. Once we kind of get those 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 deficits addressed, then we can look at these other things. And are those confounding and compounding on top of this current issue? So, um, I think that's very very important. I kind of want to talk about Scott a little bit about we talked about wrestling with God a little bit. You know, as parents are navigating through these things, there's going to be a lot of wrestling, and wrestling's going to look different with God for mm-hmm. Dad than it does for Mom. Yes, you know, Dad's going to be questioning why. Moms are going to be quietly negotiating with God and praying to God constantly. And I think it's really important that we realize as as husbands and wives they're going to each struggle and they're mm-hmm. each going to wrestle with God but in different ways. And so the way that my husband is struggling with this is going to look different than what my my wife does.
0: That that's one of the challenges of maintaining a strong relationship in all of this walk. And I wanted to maybe go back and look at that verse that we talked about last week when Jesus is Walking past a man that's been blind from birth, and his disciples ask, You know, whose parents sinned, you know, or, you know, who sinned, this person or his parents? And basically, as human beings, we're constantly asking God for why. Why is this? Why is it like this? Why, why is it me? Why is it my family? We're always asking why. Go back into the Old Testament. There are a lot of people that are asking why. And I did a little bit of a study, and I'm not a theologian. Please don't misunderstand <laughs> me. I'm just a guy that struggles with God. But as I look at when people ask God why, I see that normally he sidesteps that question because in, the, in the, the story from John, Jesus never comes out and answers that question. He never answers why except to say, I'm going to use this to glorify God. And what I think that we have to prepare ourselves for is God's not there to answer the reason why. If you look at the, the story of Job, Job's struggling with God. He's asking why. And God basically says, look, buddy, you weren't around when I laid the cornerstone to this the, to, to the earth. I can't answer that. Or if I did, you wouldn't be able to understand it. It's beyond our comprehension. So for those of you that are struggling with the why, let me encourage you that God's probably not going to answer that question, but what he will do is he will answer how he's going to use that situation to glorify him and that how others might be blessed by it. And in a later session, I think I'd like to be able to share a little bit more about how I feel like our our lives have been blessed by that. And hopefully, you know, for those of you that are struggling, please continue to listen to us because we want to try to answer that question. I I know we're getting short on time because this is an abbreviated session, Megan. We've got a few things that we want to make sure that people are aware of. What are some things that you want to make sure people are aware of as far as what you can do for them and how can they get in contact with you?
1: Absolutely. So like I had mentioned earlier, Scott, I've made a checklist for um, the families to, to use. But I know obviously just navigating that checklist in itself can be very overwhelming. So I'm here to kind of support and help families walk through that journey, answer those questions, give that advice of what what where should I go first? What the, This is what my child's diagnosis is. This is where his areas of struggles are. What would you recommend? Who do you know? Where can you send us? Where can you help us find these resources? And they can do that again by going to my website, hopperconsulting.com. They can also send me an email at hopperconsultingllc at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook page that they can visit. And I think it's just really important that, to know as families that they you're not alone. They're, mm-hmm. This roadmap that I've had so many families ask about and wish for, well, we're working on it and we're getting it there for you. And we're going to be there to hold your hand through the journey.
0: Great. And I'd like to just mention that I'm a member of a church in Northeast Territ County. If you find that you're listening to this and you're in the North Texas area and you'd like to, to go to a church that's welcoming and encouraging of your special needs child, I'd love to invite you to come to one of our Sunday mornings or for, for one of our respites. We, we, we offer both. It's called the Hills church. It's in Keller, Texas. If you'll, I think we'll have my contact information on the screen here. If you'll contact me, I'll see that I get in, get you into contact with our special needs minister. We want to know more about your child before we bring them into the environment so that we know that we've got the people available to take care of your child. We want to make sure that they're safe. We want to make sure you understand what you can expect from us. But I just want to let you know there is a warm, welcoming church that's out there to help you have... Christian community with your with you and your special needs child, and it's at the Hills Church in Keller, Texas. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Please, if you get a chance, like us. Feel free to contact us. Be prepared. We've got another show that's going to be coming out shortly. That'll be episode three. Hope that you get a chance to join us for that.
1: Hey, guys, feel free to send us any questions or comments you have to LLC at gmail.com. We'd be happy to answer your questions or kind of speak to some of the challenges you guys are experiencing to your current journey.